0: Here. Captain? Signature's detected Shield up Signature's
1: detected Context Starfleet Command Co- Context
0: Starfleet
2: Command Relay that order Context Starfleet Command This is the captain Co- Context
0: Starfleet Command
2: Get out of my chair Chair, 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 chair We have engaged the Klingons Klingons, Klingons Welcome to the Greatest Discovery It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of the Greatest Generation I'm Ben Harrison
0: I'm Adam Pranica
2: Hey, don't make fun of me. <laughs> oh, buddy, you're in rough shape. Yeah, I've got 10 pounds of snot and a 5-pound head <laughs> today. God. <laughs> it's not coronavirus. I want to make that clear. I have tested negative. There you go. I always test negative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You just you just have that kind of outlook on life. Now, I I started coming down with it. I was in a grocery store when I was like, hmm, not feeling great. Oh, no. I got out of there as quickly as I could because I was very conscious of that being like the kind of nightmare scenario if I was actually starting to become symptomatic with covid
0: and also, it's like the worst place to be when you have a cough or a sniffle is in a public place. Oh, yeah. Because I like, I'm saving my coughs for when I'm like out in the parking lot.
2: Yeah. It's like holding in a fart on a first <laughs> yeah. date. Like, <laughs> yeah. Totally This is, is. going to have to happen later. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. So I got out of that grocery store as fast
1: as was humanly possible. You're not a monster. I'm not a monster. But this is like day five of a thing, and I'm you... feeling a little bit better now. But
0: Oh, that's good. I was going to ask how you were trending. When you, when you get an upper respiratory thing, it really takes you out in a kind of way. It is brutal.
2: Not my favorite.
0: Well, thanks for stepping up and doing a show. I, I've got to travel tomorrow, and I'm going to be away from home for a while. So there was yeah. some urgency here that I feel like disproportionately pressured you into this
2: i was intensely aware of your dissatisfaction with the idea of bringing a microphone on the road with you
0: (laughs) yeah i like to i like to prevent it whenever possible
2: i was like hey listen ben i was looking at myself in the mirror and i was like if you need to be sick for an extra day if you need to make yourself worse so that adam doesn't have to put one microphone in his bag that is worth it (laughs)
0: God, I'm the worst. I'm the worst person.
2: <laughs> I'm just busting your chops, buddy. Let's talk about Lower Decks.
0: Well, it's all going to be worth it yeah. once we get into this conversation, Ben. We got our screeners. We did. We got our screeners. Thank you,
2: Paramount.
0: God, it's such a relief. And, uh, and this time the both of us got them, so now I don't need to ask you for a code every time.
2: Yeah, the way I, the screeners I, I, work is you get a, a a a number texted to your phone that you put in to authenticate.
1: Verify. It is code 47, sir.
2: For some reason, it, they only came to me last time, so I would just like randomly in the middle of the day get, you know, a seven-digit number texted to me. They'd be like, that's probably Adam, so I'll just copy and paste it into my text thread with Adam.
0: Yeah, and because I keep poor office hours, sometimes that request would come in late at night. (laughs) Not a comfortable situation, but this is much better. Now we both have screeners, which means uh, hopefully a little less stress going forward as we review Star Trek Lower Decks. Today, we have a very fun episode. It is the sixth episode of the second season of Lower Decks and it's called The Spy Humongous.
2: We visit the Packled Homeworld, Adam, which they call
0: Packled Planet. It sounds like the name of a restaurant that serves Packleds,
2: <laughs> <laughs> or like Packleds got together and made a restaurant chain for a bunch of like tourist destinations.
0: Whatever I thought Pac-Led Planet would look like, sort of relates to what I thought the rest of the pack Led ships would look like. Which I thought it would be a dump.
2: Yeah, but it's surprisingly shiny and nice. The planet
0: is cool and the ships are cool. How cool are the packlit ships every time we see one? I yeah, think they're great.
2: They've like they've like stapled together like cool parts of other ships.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Captain Freeman is still on this delusion that she thinks Starfleet is setting her up for success. Yeah. And uh, spoiler alert for season two, episode six, and probably all of season two, they are not. It's starting to make me sad. It <laughs> It felt like a little bit like a down punch this time in a way.
0: I think one thing the show is doing really well is not pitting her against her husband because yeah. if if it was about Freeman wanting command and then the next thing in order to to draw herself up into a career equivalence with her husband, right that would that would be like an uglier vibe than than Freeman just being ambitious and trying to get an enterprise class ship. <laughs> under her command, you know? Like I think this is a better way to to present that inner conflict.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. It's just that like I think that maybe the joke is wearing a little thin and it and it feels a little bit mean as it wears thin that she is brimming with confidence that like finally, okay, she's been sent on a diplomatic mission to end this this conflict. This is her chance. This is her big chance keeps being her storyline and keeps being kind of snatched out from under her.
0: Not to keep arguing against you on this, but I also feel like because Shax is so supportive of her and her ambitions and the rest of the bridge crew are as well, like it could feel worse if she's like, I got to get away from this loser ship full of losers and, <laughs> and get myself into a big, comfier command chair. Like, I, don't, I think you can only do... The Cerritos goes on the missions that no one else wants so long before you add another subtext to it. And I think right. ambition is a worthy subtext for what's going on. I'm not sensing That's the fair. ugliness yet.
2: Yeah. I mean, I like, I want to know more about Freeman. I want to know, like, is she, like, sad to be away from her husband as much as she is? Like, does, does the LDR become right a source of of pain for her yeah. or are they like so independent as a couple that it like isn't really that big a deal
0: are they having hollow sex with each other
2: oh man yeah how are they keeping the spark alive i mean because the spark's definitely there it seems like it's there you hope it's there got my fingers crossed that it's there <laughs> <laughs>
0: On the surface, we are reminded of how dumb the packlets are uh, visually with the guards' blades facing their faces. <laughs> I love that detail. <laughs> it's
2: so great. <laughs> yeah. So she announces to the guy that they meet, who is like an ambassador of some kind, that she's here to try to broker a peace. And he's like, well...
1: I was misinformed. I do not have a big enough helmet to make ceasefires.
2: But first, he wants to know what happened with Rumdar, Adam.
0: Yeah. Rumdar, the escaped Pakled prisoner, has found himself on the Cerritos. This happens very quickly. Where's Rumdar is answered immediately... From someone in the cargo bay who has found Rumdar there.
2: Yeah, he uh, he shuttled aboard, and is uh, r- uh, sort of—I mean, like Ransom is very generous in interpreting what Rumdar is saying as uh. a request for asylum.
1: This ship is strong. I can live here now.
2: The classic blunder with packlids is rounding up what they're saying to an intelligent thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. I'm so glad that this, this series continues to make hay out of that bit. So uh, we, uh, we also catch up in the restaurant with our, our four heroes. Looks like they're all going to be on the same adventure initially.
0: Yeah, that seems like a rarity, right? We're usually splitting them two by two yeah. into an
2: A and a B story. They're all going to be on anomaly consolidation duty, which is sort of the bulky item pickup of working in Starfleet. All of the officers have weird sciency things in their quarters that they need to get rid of. And these things are too, uh, they have too many strange energies to just throw them in the matter replicators.
0: One might think that this duty is just another version of, of bar trivia, the episode. Yeah. And I sort of braced myself for that. But I'm really glad that's not the direction this episode took.
2: Yeah. It went in some these... surprising places. None of the artifacts that they have to consolidate are well-worn trope artifacts or anything. Right. But they feel very Star Trek-y. And uh, I thought that, that was, that's well done also, like that they are both not a direct reference to a thing, but also right. like look, like some of them look like TOS kinds of artifacts and some of them look like TNG kinds of artifacts.
0: Yeah, a good diversity of artifacts.
2: Well, they're about to uh, go off and do this, and there's some sort of dissension in the ranks. This this duty sucks, according to Rutherford and Mariner, but Tendy and and uh, Boimes are pretty excited about it. But Boimes winds up walking over to the other side of the room where a bunch of other red shirts are hanging out, Jennifer included, and they invite him to join their like club that is about advancing their careers in starfleet
0: yeah the leader of this club ensign casey is familiar to us right i think he's been in a few episodes before as just sort of a, yeah. a tertiary character
2: we've and seen him at the con quite a few times yeah and um they have
0: observed Boim's eating shit at the other side of the restaurant yeah. spilling his tray on himself and this is classic Boim's. he's just done something embarrassing and then he wants to look cool in front of people and At this moment in time, the Red Shirts are telling Boehm's and us all about themselves and their reason for being. They are the go-getters of the Ensign class.
1: You tell us Riker stuff today, I'll get you in the running for the big chair. Yeah,
2: kind of classic cult recruitment technique here. They're Mm -hmm. like, you've got some stuff that you need to fix, but we really admire some stuff about you. Right. They think it's very cool that he served on the Titan, that he knows what Riker is like from up close.
0: They set up their relationship as transactional, though, right away, which lets us know that these people aren't to be trusted, right? Because what they want is all of the Riker tea yeah. that Boehm's ended up getting from his experience over on the Titan. And what Boehm believes he will get is sort of a faster track into acting captain duty, but also... it. It would get him out of this anomaly consolidation duty, which like Boehm's actually wanted to do. It's not like you're doing him a favor by getting him out of it, but one would assume that the rest of his day is going to be a little cleaner than the three of his friends.
2: I really saw this as about to be another run at the conflict between him and Mariner that he will cut out without saying goodbye and that being hurtful to her. And I thought they did a great job of surprising that expectation with her being envious of him finding such a clever way of getting out of a shitty job.
0: Yeah, that was really well done. Her envy is not just that he got out of it. It's it's the manner in which he did.
2: Yeah. Rumdar gets a little tour of the ship. He is bad at spying.
1: I want to see how the shields work. <laughs>
2: Pretty obvious, pretty quick that that's what he's here to do is uh, get a look at at how the ship works. And the Pakleds just repeatedly dumb as hell. Rumdar thinks he's on the Enterprise. The Pakleds down on the planet think that they're dealing with Janeway when they're dealing with Freeman.
0: I love how this revelation isn't just verbal; it's also physical. Like Rumdar is a huge dope. Obviously, all you have to do is listen to him speak. But like that, he's that he can't take pictures. <laughs> that He's trying that he's trying to is also super funny to me.
2: Yeah, it was good stuff.
0: Elsewhere, this ACD duty has begun. And Tendi has established previously how excited she is about this work. And that just permeates the rest of the hang going forward. But it is a vibe that Mariner and Rutherford can't quite get on. Like yeah. it wears a little bit thin fairly quickly. <laughs>
2: Yeah, the hazards of this duty are represented pretty early on when Rutherford inhales the Limburger cheese scent of a frog skeleton that falls and breaks and begins inflating. And uh, they, like, barely get the Vicks VapoRub under his nose before he goes back to normal with, like, his post-Hulk-out torn clothes.
0: Ben, I got the biggest laughs of the entire episode from Eugene Cordero's line read of, "I got a barrel of
1: body," stop and "I can't stop, i big
0: Like, I don't want my reads in the episode. His reads just destroyed me. I played them back over and over again. Like they were hilarious, <laughs> and with how close the camera gets to his face when he's saying them, yeah, God, just killed me. So funny, <laughs> Big Body Rutherford! Uh, I missed all the good stuff.
2: I was ready for this to be a Dupler-like issue again, where the right. he started filling up the room and, and yeah. crushing them or something. <laughs> um, such a great scene. Kind of a lot happening between the A, B, and C storylines, and uh, I think it is around this point that Rumdar, the pack led, disappears. They've tricked him into like thinking he's getting to see top secret shit by taking him to the Starfleet gift shop. That they Uh have on board for some reason.
0: (laughs) I love the idea, like, I like the idea that there's probably a kid's tour and probably an adult's tour of a starship. And Rumdar's getting the kid's tour.
2: Can we see the battle bridge? No, I'm afraid not. The captain is being held on the planet until they return this guy. And also, you know, they have to give consideration to his... His claim, so uh, this just has really put them in a tight spot a potentially embarrassing spot with the captain
0: after the commercial we get a montage of accidents <laughs> with Mariner Rutherford and Tandy Rutherford, I don't think ever recovers from his experience being big yeah he like he's drawn with a few extra squiggles under his eyes, I feel
2: like for the rest of the ep. It seems like it's haunting him more than the thing that uh, <laughs> yeah. Jack stole it, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. So, during this montage of accidents, like, we really get the sense that none of this stuff should be touched, ever. Like, it's all really dangerous, and it all should involve gloves or, or like, uh, what's that thing that, that you see you used to see advertised late at night that would get, like, cans from the top?
2: Oh, yeah, shelf the, of the a... old's used to... Yeah. Okay. Grip extension device.
0: It feels like this is a job that even Tomato Hamper wouldn't do, you know?
2: Yeah, they should be in, like, those silver heat-resistant suits manipulating these things from a distance. Yeah. They're being careless as hell. Like, almost all of the chaos is accruing to Mariner. Like, she's really, like, getting the worst of it now that Rutherford's had his run.
0: Yeah, yeah. How many people do you think are killed on this duty every year? It seems so dangerous.
2: It seems super duper dangerous. Yeah, I don't know. I would not want. Yeah. I, I think I'm with Mariner and Rutherford on this.
0: Yeah, this is no good.
2: They're getting pretty short with Tendy about it because she keeps trying to talk up the upsides of this, I guess.
0: A lot of time, this sort of attitude is extremely welcome, but- it's really hard to predict when this is not going to work for a social group, you know? And I right. like how, I like how, I mean, this is an episode constructed around the breaking point between these th- three characters. So it's like, it's driving us to here with some intention. Yeah. But when you experience something like this in real life, it is totally unpredictable.
2: Yeah. And I definitely really relate to the the thing that Tendi is doing, which is, like, working to reframe the situation so that everybody is happy. Yeah. As a way to, like, expend your nervous energy. And uh, it just does not wash with Mariner. Mariner really, like, boils over with her.
0: Just hearing you say that makes me recognize, though, that, like like, what a burden that is for a kind of person to feel that way and how there may be an opportunity here to bulk up Tendy's story slash backstory by yeah by by teaching that to us a little more because by the end of the episode we, we recover with her and there there's some apologies made, but like we don't really recognize with her the burden she's had to carry from the start on the show. For yeah. that reason.
2: I could use a deeper dive in that, and maybe that's coming. I mean, it seems mm-hmm. like something that's established about her character at this point, and, you know, it tracks. But maybe maybe they've got an episode where they go into it a little bit more.
0: You really carry the emotional luggage for, uh, for Greatest Gen, Ben. I just want to say <laughs> I really appreciate you trying to uh, keep touring positive.
2: Oh, yeah. Well as As the man with the microphones in his bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it falls to me. Uh, no, man, I think I think we do a good job of sharing that load.
1: I spent a lot of last week sick in bed. And one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat, but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was factor meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times, and they are delicious, fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals. And they're ready to go just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use code TREK50 to get 50% off. That's code TREK50 at factormeals.com slash TREK50 to get 50% off.
0: What do you think of when you think of male grooming? Maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product, or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower, a shave, a little spritz of fragrance. Me, I think of shaving my nuts. And not just my nuts, all around those nuts. I'm talking all around those nuts. And this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of Play-Doh rolled through a dustpan in a barber shop. It's wrinkly, it's wriggly, nothing stays in place, and it's the one area where you don't want to have an accident. That's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the Spring Cleaning Champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's their fifth generation trimmer, featuring two interchangeable next gen Skin Safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little bit off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra large Manscaped t shirt, which I will never wear, but it was nice of them to do. Get twenty percent off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. That's twenty percent off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in your pants.
1: Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just
2: one more week till Max Fun Drive.
1: <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org.
0: Back on the packlid Planet. No wonder these guys are dopes, Ben. They're eating rotten fruit. Yeah. That's really going to do a number on you over the years, I think.
2: Isn't that what evolutionary biologists think like the earliest alcohol was? was people just like getting fruit that had fermented off the forest floor and being like, hey, this rules.
0: That is a great greatest gen theory right there, Ben. The packlets yeah. aren't dumb. They're drunk. <laughs> they're drunk as hell. Wow. They're shwasty. Wow. Good job, Freeman, turning down the offer of free food. Yeah. that's That can't be easy on a diplomatic mission. Uh, what she's trying to do is find the leader yeah. on a led planet, and that is a very difficult person to find because it's not the person that we've been talking to who's been calling Freeman Janeway the whole time, and yeah. it's not the lady with the big helmet that we're meeting now. Your Highness, allow me You to- can't kill Rumdar. Rumdar is our prisoner. We will kill Rumdar. Is this
2: their first... Female packled we've come across? Ever? I think it may be. Yeah, I think so too. She really stuck out to me. I, di- I didn't know what to expect.
0: God, I just don't know what to make of that. I mean, it, the show makes the packleds into a fairly easy metaphor for a lot of a kind of person. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that uh, that that has pervaded modern society. And I wonder... If an element of that comparison has to do with its male dominatedness as a culture, it would seem that way.
2: I think there's more to lend weight to that theory uh, as the episode goes on. Right, right. Um, But first, Adam, let's talk about Boimler's glow up.
0: (laughs) We know this about Boimler, right? He is willing to change himself to impress a girl or impress an authority figure. Like he is so pliable in these moments. And so
2: thirsty for external approval. Like, yeah. Blemler needs to learn to love himself first. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it's true. I don't know about you, Ben, but at every scene with the red shirts, I was waiting for Jen to make herself into the awful person Mariner believes her to be. And that was sort of like, like, jennifer's sword of damocles like the sword of jennifer hanging over everything i was i was like waiting for that to fall and to be like oh yeah jen is shitty
2: yeah but i it mean never i was happens. immediately suspicious of the red shirts because jennifer is in it totally yeah and i wonder if they are holding off on that because they want the joke with jennifer to be we will never know why mariner hates her so much I'd love it if we never knew. Yeah. <laughs> or if they are holding off because there is like backstory there that they want to like give its own space in a in a subsequent episode. But anyways, they, I mean, Boimler gets new hair. He gets a new uniform. It seems to be kind of padded out. <laughs> he's got like, a, he's got like the Batman, like Halloween store costume under his uniform.
0: As Starfleet uniforms became more modern, I think it it became easier to pad them. Right. But those earlier TNG uniforms especially, I don't feel like you could ever pad them.
1: You're going to put that thing on and parade
0: around like one of them? Ensign Casey asks a really interesting question here that draws a distinction between looking good and would you follow this person into battle good? And it made me think a lot about the way i present myself or used to present myself in a professional context you know right. like i always ever wanted to be affable and easy to work with and i think that came across with the way that i that i dressed myself sure a lot but hearing ensign casey talk about like you know you also need to dress to lead and that has a definite look depending on the context and yeah And there are value judgments made based on, on those decisions that a person makes.
2: Yeah. and It just
0: made me feel really bad for the decisions I made (laughs) throughout my career, because (laughs) I probably, I probably could have uh, been management material if I cared a little bit more.
2: I showed up on a, on one of the bigger sets I ever directed on uh, one time and had like a gaffer ask me to like help him with a, a case. And I, I don't think he knew that I was the director when he asked me. I think he thought I was a a production assistant and was like there to just be a spare set of hands. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that that was definitely down to the way I like walk and carry myself and dress and stuff.
0: I also always helped my crew schlep shit and build up and break down like i yeah and i was I never not like wo-
2: mad to be asked i was, I just i think he may have asked in a different way or like or like approached it differently had he known and i think i like i like i felt bad because i put him in a weird position you know
0: well i mean the case i was making was was like i i expected to occasionally get dirty because i was helping build and break yeah sets i was shooting on so yeah I wasn't going to put on slacks.
2: <laughs> well, so these two storylines cross paths at this point. Uh mm-hmm. Boimler now now with his new look uh comes out of uh whatever room they were I, I don't know what it, what that is like the shipboard costume department or Yeah. <laughs> or they did whatever. a good
0: job turning off all the lights in this room though. Like they didn't have to sketch out a bunch of detail.
2: Yeah. He's like very interested in what they're doing, but he's like, oh, got to go and, and runs off and knocks over a jar full of nanites. And this kind of becomes the breaking point between Mariner yeah. and Tendi because Mariner is pissed that her hand is being consumed by nanites. And Tendi is still trying to push the, isn't it cool that we get to work on a ship with nanites? And uh, yeah, like finger pointing and yelling at goes down
0: this is such a great Boimler episode, isn't it? Because this is the scene where Boimler could have ignored them or thought he was too cool for them. Like this is right after the makeover. This is like in, in the hack version of this storyline, this is the moment where we lose respect for Boimler because he's given up on his friends and traded that in for, uh, the possibility of, of social or professional advancement with these new people. But he remains interested.
2: And, and, This is to Ensign Casey's chagrin, who very much considers himself the leader of the red shirts and and thinks that, like, at this point, Boimler should go mean girl around with them and and leave his, his nerd friends alone.
0: He also knows that it's not all about looking the part. It's about acting the part. And then this next scene, Boims joins a kind of theater sports for starship captains <laughs> and has to come up with something inspirational on the spot based on all of these red shirts prompts. And it starts as poorly as you would expect it to when Boims is put on the spot anytime on the yeah. show. But Casey gives him a really interesting alt, which is like, The bridge is wherever you are, which sounds a lot like Star Trek is a place to me. Yeah. And as soon as Boymes is given this prompt, like he totally owns the idea of being a captain. His background falls away and we're on the D again. And he looks and sounds great during this speech. It's a really great transformation.
2: Captain, my captain. Sit down, Mr. Anderson. This moment totally achieved the magical tone that I think it was trying for. Yeah. And I thought it was great. I mean, like, we we know that Boimler has this gear in him because of the speech he did when they were, like, infiltrating the mine in episode two of this season, I want to say. Yeah. Like, when he, like, reminded his badass Titan crewmates why they got into Starfleet in the first place. And that element of captaining that is about mustering the beliefs of your crew to focus on a mission is is really special.
1: You don't just throw something like this away.
2: I really want to talk a little
0: bit about character outlining with you after a scene like this, because if you were to tape over the character names here and describe Tendi and Boimler, I think they would be extremely similar Mm -hmm. based on on their points of view. But it's so interesting that Boimler could be as annoying as Tendy to people, but he's not because of the foils that he's made to interact with. And it kind of works differently for Tendy because people are annoyed by Tendy fairly often, whether it's Dr. Katz or Wait. the rest of the group or anyone else.
2: Rutherford is the only person on the show that really. Loves Tendy unconditionally and yeah. appreciates her her quirks. And yeah. in the next scene, she she really is done dealing with their bullshit. She basically announces she's going to finish Anomaly Duty by herself.
0: Yeah, and Mariner and Rutherford are, are happy to just take a seat behind the cart while Tendy goes into Dr. Paul F. Tompkins' quarters and yeah. starts cleaning it out.
2: Before, all of the danger was distributed across the three of them, and now it is all laser-focused on Tendi. And uh, it's only a matter of time before she opens up a storybook and three evil pigs come to life and start rampaging around the ship. It seems we're letting our imaginations run wild.
0: This screaming orange amoeba that that grows out of one of the busted cases (laughs) feels like the most common type of alien in Star Trek that there should be. Like, <laughs> whatever alien you run into, there should be like a 90% chance that it's amoeba-like and right. a 99% chance that it's screaming at all times.
2: Yeah, this uh, this amoeba definitely takes over for Boimler yeah. with all of the screaming in this episode.
0: <laughs> it's screaming, but it also has sad eyes. Did you notice that?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: He kind of looks like Slurms McKenzie to me. Did you get that vibe? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I wonder if that's a wink and finger gun at a show that
2: Lower Decks likes. Could be. Down on the planet, we meet King Packled, <laughs> and then we meet the Emperor of the Pacleds. Right. Just a an inconsistency and nomenclature that as a yeah. <laughs> as a type A person. <laughs> I knew was driving you crazy, <laughs> uh, but they they are not long for this world, or any Adam, because uh, in through the window swings the Packled Revolution. The guy that knifes the Emperor in the in the back briefly announces that no longer will Packleds live under the crown, but that is uh, kind of overtaken by the charms of the crown and and sets it down on his his own head. <laughs> Kind of amazing, like we cut
0: around the inside of of the pack-led central government building and there's like these pack putting their feet up on the, the desks of the legislators who work there and like yeah. swinging flagpoles around like a bunch of assholes. Like <laughs> really, really says something. It
2: really does. It's a dark day.
0: The guy who kills the emperor momentarily announces the end to... I don't know what kind of ruling class you'd want to call this because it's using terminology from a bunch of them. Yeah. Uh, but he announces the end to whatever this is before putting on the helmet for himself.
2: Yeah. New boss, same as the old boss.
0: Yeah, dumb is the head that wears the crown <laughs> on, on packled planet.
2: Democracy? Yeah. The, yeah, that's, that's system great. system
0: politics is gone. That is great. <laughs> that's that behind the counter suit of fed, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Getting the brain firing.
2: The subtext of the red shirts kind of comes out in the next scene is that they really do kind of have a sense of red shirt exceptionalism. Mm hmm. They're talking to Boimler about, like, his friends and plussing up everything. And he's like, oh, no, I've already got awesome friends. Get a load of these guys. And points down the hallway at a Tendi, Rutherford, and Mariner who are still, you know, knee-deep in annoying anomalies. And the red shirts are kind of like, no, these cannot be your people anymore. Yeah. We've got to treat ourselves as being above this kind of stuff. And he's like, what are you talking about? We're all ensigns. And... To his great discredit, he does march off with them instead of saying, well, this isn't for me and rejoining his buddies.
0: That description is so ugly, though, Uh the, the distinction between working with an entity versus working for an entity, in this case, Starfleet. Yeah. Like you see it all the time. It's not a good look. It's, it's the th- thing that I mean, especially when when Bohems is looking at his friends during a description like this, the scales really fall from his eyes in this right. scene.
2: So he marches off, and this is when Tendi kind of rages out about the shit work. The uh, silver linings have failed, and she's like holding this pink cube that's Keiko lightning around her while she talks about how much she hates the Cerritos and how much she hates all of the crappy jobs that they get stuck with as ensigns. (laughs) And the box like starts to merge with her body, and it uh turns her into a scorpion and as a person who was born in late october girl, I get it
0: <laughs> i mean i know I know you remember all the times that I've turned into a green scorpion out on oh, tour yeah. and oh. uh and I remember the the one or two times that that's happened to you, <laughs> but uh. Yeah. It's not predictable when you're going to run into those kind of strange energies,
2: Ben. Yeah, she K.O.'s uh, Ransom and Kayshawn and then goes into the uh, the restaurant where she has turned it into a real food fight situation. And this is this is a job for the red shirts, and they come in and start speechifying. And you can see that it like when Jennifer starts her speech, it's it's really putting idealism into the eyes of some of the other. <laughs> People yeah. in, the, in the eatery, but then one of the other red shirts starts talking and then Ensign Casey starts talking. They're all trying to do their own inspiring speech. It's not helping. The thing that needs to be done to help Adam is, is uh, get Tendy into a different mood. And so Boimler starts doing what he started the episode doing, embarrassing himself by dumping food all over himself. He's recognized
0: this cube because he's done the anomaly consolidation duty before. Like right. He's like, oh, yeah, this is a mood shifter cube. And he starts going to work at the replicator just dumping all of this food on himself. He would yeah. be a TikTok sensation <laughs> if this were real life, Ben.
2: This is a a show that is definitely not for kids, and I felt like the animation style in this episode uniquely felt like a a children's cartoon. Like between the montage of anomaly mishaps and this was where that feeling came from. Yeah, there are so many like totally exaggerated movements that the character goes through in like you know slipping on a. Birthday cake and getting his arm caught on fire and slamming into walls. And yeah. uh, the last thing he does sounds like he's rapping a dance song into the replicator <laughs> and it just opens up a fire hose of food.
1: I'm talking about chicken a la king, mango and garbanzo, tiburri, potatoes and vegetables with roasted garlic and basil.
0: This seems like a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, and Tendi laughing at this uh, is enough to bring her back from scorpion land.
0: The vibe is very end of Ghostbusters to me, yeah. like everyone covered in the marshmallow fluff. It's
2: good stuff. Did you think it like was also meant to imply that it was slightly post-coital in nature? <laughs> Cause her clothes oh. are like really ripped up and like open in a much more revealing way than normal, and they're both like lying side by side on this pile of food sludge. You know what?
0: I did notice that Tendy's uniform flap was open a little more than usual. And I did get that feeling. Yeah.
2: Pretty sexy. What does it mean? I kind of thought that there was a, a, a Sam and Diane between Boims and Mariner, but maybe it's between Boims and Tendy. That actually makes more sense to me as a relationship, honestly.
0: It absolutely does. Yeah. Tendy would fucking wreck Boimler, though. <laughs>
2: wow. That packlet, Adam. He just went out the airlock. That's where he was. Mi- how he went missing?
0: <laughs> yeah, Romdar experienced the thing you and I hope to one day—just floating <laughs> around outside the ship behind uh, Ransom and Cason. He lives because he's a packled. Yeah. Maybe the rotten fruit is what allows you to to survive the vacuum of space. Yeah. Seems unfair. Doctor Cat's doesn't know why and doesn't seem to care. I'll. All she knows is that uh, he's alive again and on planet Pakled, Rumdar returns, sort of a conquering hero among these idiots. Yeah, uh, they reveal their stupid plan to Freeman, and uh, <laughs> Freeman is not impressed. Freeman <laughs> sees this as an opportunity though, because when dumb people are confident, they make mistakes, and Rumdar and the rest of the assembled. Pacleds are so confident now Freeman is easily able to trick Ramdar into revealing the greater plan
2: to right. smuggle a bomb to Earth. So the Pacled threat going to continue in this season and that wraps up the sea storyline. Boimler has reverted back to Boimler standard. <laughs> uh, I don't know how his hair went back. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it like... What is the like haircut equivalent of synthahol like if you can like dismiss the effects at a thought? How great would it be if
0: you went to see Ma and you not only could get a haircut but but an addition? Oh yeah, like you could change your length
2: like this. It seems like if you can like wave a light over a wound to to heal it up, you should be able to wave a light over a hair to grow it back.
0: There would be hope for me in the facial hair department. <laughs> if if I lived in the 24th century, yeah, I'd be waving a light on my face all the time.
1: Is it your intention to continue to grow your beard?
2: The red shirts and and Boimler kind of fall out here.
0: Yeah, it's in this scene that Boim's really gives the red shirts a kind of dressing down. Like we get the we get the moral of the story here as said by Boimler. Mhm. Who makes the case that like trying to be somebody you're not is not the way to get ahead because what if you get there and what it took to get there wasn't who you were to begin with?
2: Yeah. So Ensign Casey is like, well, fine, but there's a acting captain role up up for grabs. And if if you don't want it, I do. The rest of the red shirts have all been kind of persuaded by what Boinler said. And Jennifer says that she's thinking about taking a break from the red shirts, which makes me think maybe the red shirts is actually good.
0: Hmm. Yeah. When Ransom enters the scene, it almost undercuts the moral that Boimler laid out a moment before, because when we see how easy it was to become acting captain the whole time and how it's really just about being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Like, what's the point of anything?
2: But also it undercuts the value of what Casey has advocated for. Like, like fighting tooth and nail to get this if it isn't that dear yeah, feels like a huge expenditure of effort for nothing much. And uh, he really gets the piss taken out of him when he gets to sit in the big chair.
1: New shift on deck. Get out of my chair! Ah,
2: huh. Thank you. It's a great honor.
0: I think the show is trying to make the case that Ransom is not a good officer. But I do not feel that way about him because... I think part of the fun of the episodes as we've experienced them are like going through the stresses of our Lower Decks characters and realizing how those conflicts are not even a blip on someone like Ransom's radar at all. He doesn't have to care. And if he did, it would be weird.
2: Yeah. And the little attaboy he gives Boimler, I thought was really nice.
0: Yeah, I thought so too. I, I like Ransom quite a bit and a great body. yeah
2: Yeah. thirsty thirsty bod v-shaped torso weight rack in his quarters smells so good yeah end of the episode the button is bits on tar pits adam
0: (laughs) god that was great you're so great at this even even in a compromised
2: state (laughs) oh i thought you were saying that that the the button was great I thought that was this was real funny.
0: I love a skin of evil callback.
2: Yeah. Taunt and humiliate that asshole.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean Armist sucks and he always has. And I like how like we get a direct callback with the like screaming into the wide shot. Yeah. That's big fun. I wanna keep being afraid of the things that are worth being afraid of though.
2: Yeah, that, this was another scene that really felt like kids animation show style animation. Yeah, like when Armist trips and falls over the rock and stuff, like Yeah, and the and the way he's constantly like, "No, no," and like flexing his arms as he says that.
0: I think they've done a good job with the Borgs on this show at at keeping them a threat, you know, yeah. by by presenting them in simulation. Right. Uh, as a danger. I don't I hope they don't turn the Borg into what they did with Armus here.
2: Yeah. Because
0: yeah. my point is, like, I want to remain scared of the scary things in Star Trek. Lower decks can still be funny while keeping those things sacrosanct,
2: right? I I think that's a great point. And then I think the reason that this works within that is that Armus is only a threat if you're on the same planet as him. Yeah, yeah. And if you're not, he he can't chase you. yeah. So, like, a prank phone call to someone like that is kind of a perfect thing.
0: It would have been so much weirder if they called Kevin, though, right?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, we would have had to end everything we do, I think, if that was how they brought Kevin onto Lower Decks. It would just be like, no, we're done.
0: Uxbridge residence,
2: Kevin <laughs> speaking. <laughs> <laughs> no, Rashaan can't come to the phone right now. She's out working in the garden. She's actually been out there for 18 weeks. (laughs) I should really go check on her. She said she was going out to reset the traps in the lawn, and I haven't heard from her. You know what, that would actually explain the feral odor (laughs) that I've been noticing inside
0: the house when the wind changes. (laughs) You know what? I'm just going to look through these blinds and oh my God, <laughs> I, I need to make a new return.
2: Adam, did you like this episode of Lower Decks? I did
0: quite a bit. We're halfway through season two and I've started to wonder if we have run out of spins we can give to what it's like to work on a starship yeah. and what ambition means in Starfleet culture, and we keep getting variations of this that are thought-provoking and interesting and funny. So I like this episode for its spin on that. I do think that there is a limit to that, though. I don't know how many more of this kind of story there is. I hope there are lots more, because I like Lower Decks a lot, and I want it to keep going. Yeah, but. I am also like more and more every time we run in the pack lids, they are surface level funny while being like a deeper level of social criticism yeah. that, that I really, really get and love. And I'm not even close to being done with being hit over the head with, you know, strong and dumb being a dangerous combination, like yeah. inject that into my veins <laughs> every episode. Yeah. Uh, what about you,
2: Ben? I have to say this was the least I've laughed at a uh, lower Decks so far this season.
0: That's just cause you're sick. You're sick I, and you're on, you're on decongestants.
2: I, I, you may be right. Like I was very self-conscious of the fact that I was much sicker yesterday than I am today. And, and that was when I watched yeah. the episode for the first time. And, uh, I was like, I enjoy this as an episode, like I enjoy the ideas in it and I do think that there are funny moments, but it didn't slap like that.
0: Do you think it's harder to make a lower decks episode than a than any other kind of Star Trek episode? Because in order to rise to the level of did you like, it must also be funny?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think so too. It's a, a totally different challenge. And yeah. um You're I an easy it... laugh too, Ben. Like <laughs> I, I know this as your co yeah. host. I love laughing. I default to laughing, but I don't know. I think, yeah, definitely put an asterisk on that assessment for this episode. But the themes and the and the storyline, I, I really enjoyed. So hard to discount it entirely. Yeah. Do you want to uh, get into our Priority One inbox, though?
0: Oh, yeah, Ben. I've touched the Priority One inbox, and it's covered my arm up to my elbow in some terrible and <laughs> dangerous-looking
2: nanites. Wow. Sorry to hear it, dude.
1: Priority 1 message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel.
2: Adam, we've got a priority 1 message here of a promotional nature. And it goes like this. Hey BA, I've Boimler 2P1s already. Why not go for a hat trick? Support the pod and promote my friend John Kramer's pod.
0: It looks like we have a script here. Ben where uh where there is an R character, which I guess would be Ramon LP4, and a J character, which I'm guessing is Ramon's friend John Kramer. Oh yeah. So, so who do you who do you want to be? You want to be Ramon, and I'll be John Kramer. Okay, I'll I'll take the
2: role of Ramon. Okay. Uh, Ramon LP4, the person that uh, purchased this uh, this P1, a name that will be familiar to anyone that listens to The Greatest Discovery. <laughs> uh, okay, here we go. Hey John, from one to ten, how much does loathsome things have to do with Star Trek? One. LOL, great! I'm buying <laughs> you guys an ad on a Star Trek podcast. Ha 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 ha! Perfect. What would you like me to tell the friends of DeSoto?
0: Two dorks who love to giggle and spout nonsense as much as they love pretending to understand the important stuff. Uh, plus tribbles.
2: Magnifique
0: and, and scene. scene.
2: <laughs> uh, listen to Loathsome Things, a horror movie podcast. Wow, it sounds like uh, sounds like the greatest generation, but for horror movies.
0: Yeah, there there should be a greatest generation for all genres. There should. Uh, I'm sure it's out there. Thanks, Ramon LP4, for really uh, dropping the change on us lately. Yeah, that rules. Ben, our second priority one message is from. Winter Wife and Winter Elf and it is to Winter Newt
2: Ooh.
0: The Message goes like this. Happy birthday When the phage lifts we'll celebrate <laughs> at Cisco's restaurant and Picard's Vineyard. Wow I mean this brings up an interesting question, right? Like if you had to go out for a meal yeah. inside the greater Star Trek universe Like what's the special occasion place?
2: The special occasion place would be Cisco's restaurant. I mean, I'm saying I'm probably like, you know, average weeknight going for takeout from the Klingon restaurant on the promenade. Totally. But if we're doing it up, if we're doing it real big, like transport to Picard's Vineyard, <laughs> grabbing some bottles, and then transport to Nolan's and paying <laughs> the corkage at Cisco's.
0: God, that, that's the thing, right? When you are able to transport, you can curate an entire evening yeah. from a number of different places.
2: Yeah, man. That sounds great. Maybe finish the evening up at Sandrine's in Marseille.
0: Oh, yeah. I bet
2: you'd L- love that, wouldn't you? A little bit of pool, maybe a little bit of cognac. <laughs> Tell you
0: what, you order takeout from the Klingon restaurant, you better make sure that uh, that the bag is double knotted. <laughs> You want to keep what's inside the bag inside the bag.
2: I got home from the Klingon restaurant and opened my food, and it was somebody else's food. (laughs) And then when I went back and exchanged it, I'm pretty sure they took out some of the shrimp.
0: (laughs) The Klingon restaurant owner bowed to me, and yet... (laughs) I was not sure if it was a sincere bow.
2: Or more of a bow that you would give to a patach.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, happy birthday, Winter Newt. I hope wherever you choose to have your birthday dinner, it's at least
2: as good as the ideas that we had. Yeah. Thanks for uh, getting P1s, everyone. If you would like to get one, they're easily gotten. Go to MaximumFun.org Jumbotron. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you discover yourself an Edward Larkin?
0: I'm going
2: to throw it at Ensign Casey. We've gotten the scene of somebody getting to sit in the big chair for the first time a number of times in Star Trek. I can think of the time that Sulu got to do it in mm-hmm. TOS, and I can think of the time that Geordi got to do that scene in mm-hmm. TNG, both being like meaningful moments for those characters. And I love having that just like pulled out from under (laughs) somebody who is doing, is getting that for the wrong reasons.
0: Yeah. I mean, not to Bill Simmons, my description too much, but that really is apex Edward Larkening, right? Like when you're carrying all the confidence into a moment only to get ball kicked almost immediately. Like that's, that's what happens when Shaq's boots him out. We realize just how valueless the idea of of being a temporary captain is—you're just a placeholder. You're like, you're like someone in an award show, uh, yeah. sitting in someone's
2: seat. So uh, well, go take a dump.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that's all it is.
2: Yeah, it's nothing to it.
0: Yeah. So we're we're in agreement on the other larkin.
2: Ensign Casey was the captain of a starship for eight <laughs> seconds and saved zero <laughs> lives. I dare you to do better. Yeah. And anyone could. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that just about does it for uh, this episode of the greatest discovery. Let me uh, let me find out what the title of our next episode is, which we know now that we have uh, screener links. Adam. Yeah. Next episode is called "Where Pleasant Fountains Lie," and we have descriptions here, Adam. Mariner and Boimler are stranded on an uninhabited planet with a sentient computer. On the Cerritos, Lieutenant Commander Billups must prove his engineering abilities to an old adversary. Wow. A Billups B story. Love that. Yeah. Super down for that.
0: And uh, a Mariner-Boimler combination. A classic combo, Ben. Yeah. Like root beer and ice cream.
2: Or peanut butter and chocolate. Or peanut butter and jelly peas and carrots
0: (laughs) or a celery stick and peanut butter peanut butter goes with everything yeah
2: what the hell (laughs) peanut butter is like the most versatile thing in the world (laughs) peanut butter and chicken saute skewers wait a second
0: you ever have peanut butter on an apple i have that for breakfast like every other day
2: That, that was all i ate yesterday was peanut butter on an apple that's why you bounce back so well,
0: Ben. You yeah. you're, you finished the show strong. I'm grateful to you that you uh, you powered through, man. I hope you feel better soon.
2: I, I hope the same, Adam. Thank you for uh, carrying me through this one. Uh, hey, let's let these people listen to some credits now. What do you say?
0: Boy, you're really nice about your credit description when you're going to read them. And whenever <laughs> it's my turn to read the credits, you're like, now let's listen to this fucking trash read by this <laughs> trash person.
2: And scene. Thanks for listening, despite my congested voice. If you made it this far, I really appreciate it. We'll get through these credits real quick. The Greatest Discovery is an Uxbridge Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. If you like this show, try some of the other shows on the network. Lots of great content from a great and diverse and talented pool of hosts, present company excluded. Adam and I have podcast merch for sale over at Podshop.biz. Our music is by Adam Ragusia, the talented YouTube cook and all-around mensch. At Greatest Trek is where you find us on Instagram and Twitter. You might also consider joining one of the Merriam communities of Friends of DeSoto on pretty much any social media platform. The listeners of this show make it possible. If you want to show your support, head to MaximumFun.org slash join, where your membership gets you instant access to tons of bonus content. It means a lot to us. See you next time on The Greatest Discovery, where I'm sure I will sound a lot less phlegmy, which will be great for everyone.
1: MaximumFund.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned.
0: Audience supported.